So this morning, I'm going to be talking about God-given freedom. God-given freedom. Um, I don't know yet how long this is going to go because the Lord is speaking to my heart. And as I'm speaking to my heart, um, I'm meditating on it. And I'm going to be also sharing with you what he has in his heart for you guys. So it might be two parts, it might be three parts, it might be 20. I'm kidding, right? But it's a lot speaking to my heart about something and for you guys. And I think it's about um, also where we are coming from, the journey we started recently of discovering and becoming who God has called us to be. I knew something as take something is happening in the church, uh, in the Transformers Church around June or July, when we turn, June when we turned a year, I knew something, I knew, I knew there was a shift in my spirit. And I'm not surprised at how things have been shifting, you know, in terms of people's response to the word of God and how God has been leading us. And now that we're preparing ourselves for face-to-face, you know, come few months, I knew God is up to something. Amen. And I believe God is preparing us for what he has in store for us. Now, Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had prepared in advance for us to do. God has prepared something for us. Each and every one of us has a purpose. Like my wife said this morning, nobody is insignificant. Like I think she said that one in the, during prayer meeting. So if you're not in prayer meeting, you missed out. Okay, I'm now blessing you out of the kindness of my heart. Now, nobody is insignificant in the agenda of God. So if any pastor, any preacher, any prophet, any religionist, Religionists are people who practice religions, my own words, not in your dictionary. If you don't find it, don't think. You know, it's my, that's just part of theology, right? If any religionist, right, if any of those people have made you feel inferior and incapable, or you need an intermediary between yourself and God, you know, I'm saying to you, if anyone has made you feel that way, you know, they've done you, they've harmed you. Amen. They've harmed you because no one is insignificant. Each and every one of us have a purpose, a calling, right? You, have, God said to Jeremiah, said, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And that word is not for Jeremiah alone because God did not have a special package, so to say, calling for a particular person. What I mean is, let me qualify that. What I mean is, the Bible tells us that God shows no favoritism, right? God does not have favorite. So just the way God you know, uh, created Jeremiah unto a purpose. Likewise, yourself, myself, we are all created unto a purpose. So don't feel you are insignificant. You you have a special place in the heart of God. God did not die for pastors, preachers, prophets, so that they can have a special relationship with him and you will be the second-class citizen. No, 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 no. Jesus died for everybody. Jesus died for every one of us. Not for some people, every one of us. And each and every one of us have the same value in the eyes of God. Amen. Because when God looks at us, it sees Jesus. And there's no senior or elder in Christ Jesus. We are all children of God. And I've never read in my Bible a senior child of God or a superior child of God. We are all children of the Most High God. And there's no favoritism. God plays no favoritism. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to be talking about God-given freedom. Now, how do I define freedom? I looked at, I checked with, um, with um, Oxford. Uh, the Oxford Dictionary says, the state of not being imprisoned or slaved or enslaved. The state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. So a state whereby you are not in prison and you are not a slave. Now, who is a slave? A slave is a person who is a legal property of another and is forced to obey them. 
when I saw that, I was like, I was going to share a picture with you guys, but uh, the, the pictures I found online were not, you know, they're just going to cause some racial, racial issues. So I just left it out. And so I just give you the, the dictionary. Because when we talk about slave trade, it, the slave trade was not just a, a interesting because in the Bible, we saw where they had slaves taking one another slaves and the slave, people that were taking slaves, you know, I'm not saying the Bible, I'm not saying Christians took people as slaves. Slavery was a practice in the days of old, right? And it wasn't just between one race and another race. I mean, slave was slave. People, you know, slavery was slavery, right? I know at some point it was prominent that some people, some race were taking another race as slaves. But slavery was a practice, was a common practice back in the days, whether it's interracial or the same race. Amen. So let's bear that in mind. I feel my heart to say this. You see, when we talk about slavery or slave trade and all this kind of evil practices that people back in the days are, are you know, uh, pe people in the back in the days were doing, and which is still um, commonplace to, in, in some areas in the world today. Now, the issue there is not really the slave thing. The issue there is really the fact that human beings are falling. These people are children of the devil. And they will do what the devil, their father, instruct them to do. Amen. And um, what I'm going to be calling out this morning is to help you and I to see that God has given us a freedom from the devil who has held us captive for many years. Amen. Devil who held the world captive. You know, when I was meditating on this, I was like, Lord, what do you want me to share with people? What do you want to talk about? And they started putting these in my heart. You know, one of the things that opened my eyes to see was how is how many Christians don't believe that they are free. And they are waiting for one day that God will come and free them from what is holding them captive. Right. So we are not looking in the right direction when we are waiting for God to come down and free us one day from, from whatsoever holds us captive. And when I say what holds us captive, what is controlling? Now, don't forget, a slave is a person who is a legal property of another and is forced to obey them. Now, some of us see ourselves as um, slaves, though we don't use that word slave, right? But we see ourselves subject to a particular thing or situation or habit or addiction. And um, many people have personalized or taking it as the identity and they say this is them you know somebody who have alcohol issues will say they are an alcoholic so when you call yourself an alcoholic right do you know what you said you said you are a legal property of alcohol yeah so when you say that you are a gay right i'm talking to believers now i'm talking to unbelievers but if an unbeliever if a believer a child of god says he or she is a gay because they have um, sexual attraction to the same sex. Now, what they have said is this, they, that they are the legal property of that force. Because the Bible tells me clearly that, you know, sexual relations between people, two people of the same sex, he said, is not the natural cause, it's not, I, I can't remember exactly how um, the book of um, Romans put it. He said, is that's not a natural order. That's not how God designed human beings to function, right? And I'm saying to you that anyone has a right to believe what they want to believe. So you should not have a problem with someone who is not born again uh, and who says, you know what, that's their identity because 
uh, a person who did not know God and does not know how God has designed things is free to just believe whatever they want to believe. But for the believer, you are a child of God. So if you are having struggles or tendency with the same gender, right, um, you need to bear in mind that you must know that that is not your identity. And that is why when we know God or the more we know God and we see some things in our life that are trying to control us, that are against, that are not, that are against or not, does not look like what God has designed or how God has designed us to function, we must, we must learn to recognize such instances as something wrong, as opposed to accept it as our identity. So, you know, the world today too, they're trying to uh, promote, um, I don't know if this is the right thing to say because we have our kids in there, right? But parents, I don't know how you're going to do it. But, you know, so some adults uh, who are attracted, you know, because of kids, I'm not going to go too much into details. Some adults who are attracted to kids, right? And they're trying to identify it as an identity, right? And if the church is not careful, people in the church will begin to identify themselves that way. But the, the thing is this, you know, the sad thing is, some Christians will respect, okay, we we'll respect it. They will accept that view. But the question is, can you watch someone harm your daughter or harm your child that way because they claim that's their identity? So don't allow the government and people, organizations, businesses to manipulate you into believing that that's the person's identity and they should be allowed to express the identity. You know what's going to happen? Many of the children will be killed. I don't want to say too much about that. So, like I said this morning, um, you know, these are things that are lead in my spirit and I'm going to be talking to you guys. We're talking about God-given freedom. So, there are many evil things, you know, con- desires, things controlling people, trying to rule people, trying to enslave people or have taken people captive that people, because they do not know God, have come to understand that that is not what God created. This is not what God, well, this is not what God created me to be. They've accepted them, those things as identity, and that's how they live their lives, right? I want to say to you now, you know, we all have struggles when we are doing that. We all have one thing or the other we are struggling with when we are doing that. But I want you to understand this: that whatever you struggle with, whatever you know that is not giving you the right to walk in freedom and to be yourself, to be fine, to be happy, to be joyful. Whatever that thing is, is not of God. And God has freed you from that thing. But you must recognize the fact that you have been freed from that thing, then stand your ground until that thing loses hold on you. Amen. Until that thing loses its grip on you. What I'm trying to say is this. God has made us free. right? Even though many people are waiting for one day that God will come down and free them, the thing is, the truth is, God has made us free. Now, I've touched on a few things there, so I'm going to put them together. So I talked about evil desires, evil perspective, ungodly things that try to control us, you know, that try to make us, that try to force us to obey them. You know, um, all manners, so because we have kids in, in, in the church, so I can't, I can't go too much into details. But adults think about it, even children. You know, it can even be something as, as trivial as um, Coke, soft drinks or something, you know, that try to nicotine in a cigarette. 
you know, something that tends to control you that, you know, they are the one leading, they detect, you know, they kind of like, whatever has made you like a puppet, that when it's triggered in you, tries to control you and make you to do things you don't want to do. These are some of the things that God is opening our eyes to see that he has made us free. He has given us a freedom. Now, the world might want to suggest freedom to you or something to human uh, behavior modification or things that you should do to make you free from those things. But it will never last. And I've been observing the life of celebrity. I don't go on those celebrities magazine or website, but you know, one story will come up about a celebrity or something somewhere. My wife and I watched Whitney's um, Whitney Houston's um, video on um, on Friday. Uh, you know, and you know, I, you know, sometimes when I come across a celebrity and I see some things they are doing, right? I just put them in my mind, and now then five years or ten years later, I want to see what five years later. Well, I think I, I started doing this practice around 2013 there about and this 2021 so it's been seven years that i've been observing celebrities and i see what they turn to and when the news pick up some stuff that this person did this my next question is what were you expecting what were you expecting i mean what, what you know especially to believers when believers go and it becomes a gist among christians sometimes they're jobless right so what, what were you expecting if a person does not know god and the person is giving themselves to this so how do you expect them to behave Right. Uh, I'm saying, I'm speaking, and now right now I'm speaking to photographers and painters and paint, painters. You know, photographers and painters, they take all manner of stuff. They're different kind of photography. They are explicit photography, which, they, which the world has given a name. Right. If you're a photographer and you're given to ungodly photography and you claim to be a Christian, so when the devil binds you and turns you into a monster, and use it to destroy people. You should not be surprised. Were you saved? Yeah. Are you saved? Yes. But giving yourself to the enemy, right? It would, regardless of what justification you have, giving yourself to the devil's kind of business will ruin your life. Likewise, painting. I've been to some people's um, houses, and when I see the paint on the painting on the wall, I'm like. Do you know the Bible kicks against this, tells you to run from this, and these are believers, and these are paintings in their room? I'm not, I'm not going all around. I'm, I'm going to put everything together. I just have a word of knowledge which I have to call out before I go for that. Right. So some people are calling for freedom, but some people are actually the one giving themselves to what binds. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. So freedom from whatever is not something that will come from heaven one day. God has made the believer free. I'm going to go into details shortly. But the believer too must not give themselves to things that bind. Sin binds. Let's go to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. Um, I'm reading the NIV. Said, so therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let me see what uh, how the um, NLT put it. He said, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of it, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. 
especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let's look at how New King James put it. He said, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Holds you captive. So before I before we read in, read the, 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 the scriptures for today and then carry on this journey, I want to reiterate that. The believer has been made free from the power and the dominion of darkness. So those evil things that tend to control us, they are darkness. They are of the devil. They are evil. But until you begin to take your time to know God's design of things, you may not be able to kick against them. So I want to repeat, to say again, whatever steals your joy. Now, in the moment, it may feel like fun, but deeply it steals your joy. Whatever it is, holds you back, causes depression, is not on God. And it's time for you to discover what God says about you, who he has created you to be, the provision he has given you to be free from those things. And I'm saying to you, as you discover your true identity in Christ, don't feed on those things. The Bible says that we should not even think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. You know, I'm going to take us on a journey where we begin to understand how crucial it is to protect our minds. Because the fact that you're born again does not mean that the enemy will not try to, to control your mind. But there must be a collaboration between you and the devil for him to control you with your thoughts in your mind. And the collaboration most of the time is because is based on the things that you feed yourself with. Amen. Most of our reading will be done from the book of Romans chapter 6 this morning. Romans 6. Let's get to Romans 6. Uh, I'll start from verse 1 down to 18. Romans 6, 1 to 18. So the, right, so the Lord is going to be speaking to people this morning. And I pray that your, your ears will be open to hear and your eyes of understand will be enlightened. Amen. Romans 6, 18, 6, 1 to 18. I'm re, I'll be reading from the NIV. So the Bible says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? The Bible says that we are, we are those who have died to sin. Not that we will be dead to sin. So you may be thinking, okay, am I, am I talking about sin this morning again? So when I talk about sin here, right, I'm talking about Sin in different in three different uh, perspectives. So sin as an action, sin as a nature, and sin as um, a okay, sin as a nature and sin as a state of a person. So when somebody is a, when somebody is called a sinner, and sin as an act when a particular person sins, and um, sin as an entity that came into the world. So Romans chapter five verse twelve said that 
when Adam sinned, right, sin came into the world. Because most of the time, people look at sin only from an action, what they do, and when they make mistakes or when they trip, they are struggling, right? So there are three side, the three sides to sin. You know, sin as in the state of a person, as a believer, you are no longer a sinner. Sin as an entity, and then sin as a um, okay. So sin as I need to write these things out. Yeah. So sin as an action, right? Sin as an entity, and sin as a state of a person. So sin as an action, right? So when you sin. And then sin as a as a as a state and your nature, whether you are um, when you were born again, you were a sinner, and a sin as an entity. So when I refer to sin as an entity, I refer to Satan. So when we talk about sin here, we look at Satan, the origin of sin, sin itself, which is um, what people do, you know, the disobedience to God, and then the human being who has been affected by sin. So sin, so in the very beginning, in Genesis, Satan introduced disobedience to humanity, to mankind. And when mankind acted on Satan's inspiration, he became a sinner. I repeat, sin originated from Satan. Disobedience to God, we're going to go there shortly, right? And he offered human mankind disobedience to God. And mankind responded to Satan and then he became a sinner. So sin as an entity, sin as an action, when human being committed sin back in the days, then they became a sinner. So that's where sin comes in as a state, being a sinner. What the, what the person did to become a sinner was the action, sin as an action. And who was the source of it, the origin of it, the originator of it? Satan. Amen. So let's go to Isaiah chapter 14. And see this, and see where sin came from. Isaiah fourteen. These are kind of teaching you get from Bible school, but um, enjoy it. These things must be taught so that you have a balanced perspective of all of this. So I can fulfill my calling as a pastor. Jesus said. He has called me to train people, to equip them, to be sound believers, to be mature, so that they are not going from left to right, you know, going all over the places looking for forgiveness of God to have mercy on them. And just on the, that's just one example of what's going on right here. So stay with me. I'm going to match, match everything together at some point now. So the Bible says that Isaiah chapter 14, let's start from verse 12. It says, How you have how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens, I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost height of Mount Zephon. I will ascend above the tops of the cloud. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Amen. Those who see, those who see you, you stare at you, they ponder your fate. Is this the man who shook the earth and made kingdoms tremble? The man who made the world a wilderness 
who overtrips its cities and would not let it, its captives go home. Take note of that. And would not let its captives go home. Amen. So the Bible here, we take your time to read it. You know, I'll just have to really rush this uh, because of what I what I really want to share with you guys and the journey I'm taking us on. So the Bible tells us here that Satan, at the very beginning, was the originator of sin. You know, it was the Bible says pride. You know, sin was found in his heart. He, he thought in his mind that he could he could ascend the throne of God and rule everything. You know, some people believe that Satan and God got into a fight. Are we kidding? Do you know what the Bible says about Satan when Jesus returned? He said, with the breath of his mouth, it's going to get rid of him. So if you are watching me, just that way, and Satan is gone. So if the Bible says that about Jesus dealing with Satan, so, so for us to not think that Satan and God were fighting, we are, we're, not, we're not rightly taught. You know, people have, I've seen those messages back in the days that some preachers who have mentioned all this kind of thing, like, and there was war in the Really? The Bible says all things were created through Christ and for Christ. The Bible says that the name of Jesus, every name must bow. Satan is no match for Jesus. And you as a believer watching me, Satan is no match for you. As long as you stay in Christ Jesus and you are speaking from the place of your authority in Christ, not from the place of the fasting and prayer you have done, because Satanists fast, Satanists pray. Amen. So it's not only Christians who pray and fast. It's just that the people who you pray to is different. Amen. Because prayer at the core is having a dialogue with the supernatural being. Yeah. Prayer is having a dialogue with the supernatural being. So when we are praying, we are communing with the, with the divine being. And when Satan is praying, they are praying with the spirit. I mean, they are conversing, engaging spirit. Satanists are people who worship Satan, who believe that Satan is their Lord. Right? So it's not only Christians who pray, then they fast so that they can be more sensitive to the devil. Right? So when people think they are fasting and they are praying that will make God move in their life, they are, they are mistaken. Because fasting helps you to be more sensitive to the Lord, to subdue your body. Fasting does not move God. Because if fasting won't move God, then fasting can move God for the Satanist. Let's get it right. Amen. So what I'm trying to call out here, reading Isaiah 14, is to show us that Satan is the originator of sin and is the one who holds people captive. I repeat, Satan is the originator of sin and is the one who holds people captive. If you go and read Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3, you will see that you know in the Genesis chapter 2, God created Adam, walk in the garden, don't disobey me, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In uh, chapter uh, chapter 3, starting, starting from verse 16, the Bible tells us that when they ate the fruit, you know, when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that their eyes were opened, they died spiritually. Don't forget what I said, the illustration I gave. Satan is the originator of sin, like we saw here, because the guy was just cast out of heaven, you know, in a, in a sense, just for the sake of um, discussion here. And um, I think he was jealous of mankind, and he, he was envious of what mankind had and he wanted that thing because the bible tells us in the book of psalm chapter 8 that um, you know god made human beings a little lower than himself when you say angels that means elohim talking about himself so mankind was so powerful and so superior thank you holy ghost 
mankind was so powerful and so superior. Because the Bible tells us in the book of Psalm 8 that there was nothing that God had created that he did not live under the control of mankind. So, however powerful you see the devil today in a sense, right? Equal power was given to mankind. So don't allow the enemy to come and terrorize you. He's just trying to show off. Because the power and the authority he had over the earth, Jesus has recovered for you. I know um, that's another thing. This is just a statement. I'm going to teach these things in future. I'm going to call them out from time to time. So Satan, I believe, you know, envied and was jealous of man and wanted what mankind had. That power, that authority to rule. Uh, because the Bible tells us that God gave the mankind dominion over everything he has created. So introducing to, to, uh, to Eve, and which Adam also participated, and when they sinned, right, they became a sinner. And what it means to be, to be a sinner is to lose the life of God and to be separated from God spiritually. So a sinner is a person who does not have the life of God. Who has the nature of the devil in them? Right? They don't have the life of God. And that's why the Bible says that Jesus came so that you and I may have eternal life. Eternal life there means the life of God. Not to live forever. Because what, believer or unbeliever will live forever. Where we live is just... A, the, the difference is that we live in different places. Some live with Jesus Christ forever. Some live with the devil forever. So when we invite people to give their life to Christ, hell is not our focus. Our focus is that they can come back into re reunion with the Father, into restoration with the Father. So Satan offered mankind sin, disobedience to God. Mankind took it. Mankind lost the life of God, became a sinner. I repeat, a sinner is a person who does not have the nature, the life of God in them. A sinner is a person who is spiritually dead. A, a sinner is a person who is spiritually separated from God. So if you call God your father, regardless of the challenges you are going through, your struggle, if you are so confident to call God your father because you have been united with him through Christ Jesus, you are not a sinner. Point one. I repeat. If you have made Jesus Lord and Savior, you are called, if you have made Jesus Lord and Savior in your, of your life, right? And you know in your heart that God is your Father, you are not a sinner. You know why? Because the nature of sin in you is gone. The nature of sin in you is gone, and you have received eternal life, the God kind of life, because the God kind of life in you is what gives you the confidence to call God your Father. Let's go to Romans 8.15. Romans 8.15 says, The spirit you received does not make you slaves. Hello? Isaiah told us that Satan holds people captive. A sinner is a person who is in the captivity of the devil. John 10, Jesus said, John 10, 10, The thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Are we getting this mathematical equation? Jesus said, the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So Satan comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Right? And Jesus said, but I am come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. 
So Satan comes to kill, to steal, to destroy. So if you see anything destroying, anything killing, anything that steals joy, that steals, I don't want to use happiness, but okay, joy from you, right? It's of the devil. And Jesus said, it came that you may have life and have more abundantly. So whatever steals your joy, keeps you in captivity, keeps you in kind of bondage, takes your freedom. That's what I'm trying to say. So the enemy takes your freedom, right? And holds you captive. Jesus came to give you life so that you can be free. I repeat, Satan, the devil, takes your, took your freedom through sin. Jesus, no, Jesus restored your freedom when you give your life to Christ. So if you are a child of God, you have been made free from sin. So I'll read Romans 8, 15, and we'll go to Romans chapter 4 and to show you what Jesus did and how he delivered you from the power of sin. So how does this connect with everything I was saying from the beginning, talking about addiction, homosexuality, and this kind of thing? It's because all of those things that are contrary to God were created by sin. They were created through sin. Every brokenness, every think about every kind of evil you see in this world that came into the world through sin. Think about anything, you know, each one of us, you, you can tell something, something in your life that tends to try to control you, right? Those things were created through sin. I mean, they came in through sin and Jesus has delivered you and I from the power of sin. So if Jesus has delivered you and I from the power of sin, it means spiritually we have been made free. But physically, it seems that we are still struggling with those things. And that is why last week, two weeks ago, I was talking about emotions versus our spiritual reality emotions versus reality so if you if you're not in church last week sunday and two sundays ago go on youtube and go on a church website you find you can find you find the audio on you on uh, the audio on our, on our church website and you find the video on youtube i mean I, last week sunday i think it's one of the best service of us best teachers i've ever done because i watched it over and over i get to me talking while i was comparing uh, contrasting emotions versus spiritual reality now, the believer must work hard on himself to exist the realm of emotions whereby he's not guiding or leading his life by how he feels, but by his spiritual identity. Amen. Now, so Romans 8.15 says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves. So when the believer, gave, when the person gave their life to Christ, they received the spirit of God in them. Ephesians 1.13 said that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, the Bible is saying to you here that that spirit, don't forget that sin and all manner of addiction is a spiritual condition that we inherited when we came, you know, because of this sin that affected the human race. Amen. So, verse 15 of Romans chapter 8 is telling us here that the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you can live, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry Abba Father. And that was why I was saying in your heart, somewhere in you, after you give your life to Christ, you know that God loves you as your father. Your feelings may tell you something different, but in you, you know God is your father. And if there's an inner witness in you that God is your father, through Christ Jesus, I mean, you became a child of God, through Christ Jesus, you are a believer, you are not a sinner. So if you are struggling with emotions of sin um, or mind or, or way of thinking of sin, then we need to deal with that separately. But before we are able to deal with people's addiction and struggles and things they are going through, 
we must first of all help them understand that God has freed you spiritually from sin and these things. Because until you know that, you can't walk in that freedom because you'll be waiting for the day that God will come and make you free. But he has made you free. People don't understand that the words they use to qualify themselves, to describe themselves, has so much has so much impact in what they become, what they become, or who they become. So many Christians today, they say they are sinners saved by grace. No, 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 no. You were a sinner and have been saved by grace. Because the Bible says that as many, John 1, 12, as many have received Jesus Christ, he gave them the right to become a child of God. I know we sing this song, you know, I'm not I'm no longer a slave, I am a child of God. But do you truly know you're a child of God? How do you think you're a child of God? Or what makes you a child of God? Is it, the, is, is it because you feel it that you're a child of God? Or because you know it that Jesus has delivered you from the power and the dominion of sin? Let's go to Romans chapter 4. Romans 4, verse 25. Now the Bible says there, it said, it was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised for our justification. Amen. One second, let me look at Romans 3, 24. Romans 3, 24. I'm, coming, come, I'm going to come back to Romans 4, 25. So Romans 3, 24 says, And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Redemption means there to be bought back. So Satan took you captive, but Jesus through his death, Romans 4, 25, you know, brought you back from the power and the control of sin, the power and the control of the devil. Right? And when the Bible says that you, you are, and, that, and all are justified, it means you are declared righteous. So you may have been, you had declared righteous. So the question is, do you consider yourself righteous and not a sinner? Do you consider yourself righteous? Because until you begin to consider yourself righteous, we ain't going anywhere. So let's go back to Romans um, 4.25, then we go to Romans 8. So Romans 4.25 says, Jesus was delivered, he said, the Bible says here, he, he was delivered over to death for your sins and was raised to life for your just for your justification to declare you righteous. Right? I like how Romans chapter 5 says, say, therefore since we have, Romans 5.1, therefore since we have been justified through faith, and your justification, your declared righteous, your new identity in Christ as a person who is sinless. Right, thank you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit saying to me to tell someone here that, you know, um, you define your identity based on how you feel and your addictions, but that's not true. You are, see, the, the sins and the struggle, the, thing, the sinful behavior, the sinful habits you struggle with is not your identity. And you, you know, as long as you feel that way, you believe that's your identity, the Holy Spirit is acting to tell you that. Until you change your language and begin to see yourself different, you cannot be free from that thing. Friend, this is how spiritual things work. Things work. In, the Christ, in Christianity, we walk by faith, not by sight, not by how I feel. We don't feel before we believe. We believe and then we see. So if you have to see or have to feel before you believe, it's not faith. So the Christian faith is so real and so different. You believe first, then you see. If, if, it's, if, if it is a bondage that has to do with your emotions, you have to believe first. 
Enforce the authority you have in Christ Jesus, and then you will realize that those things will lose your emotions. Amen. Romans chapter 8, let me just let me read one or two verses there, then we, sh- we wrap up, then we continue from here next week. It's a journey. God is taking us somewhere. Amen. He wants us to see truly that we are free. Because until you are able to visualize your struggles on one hand and your freedom on the other hand and say, look at both of them and say, you know what? I am free. So put freedom on your right hand. You can put struggle on your left hand. Each one of us have to train ourselves to, to the point whereby we can separate the reality of our spiritual life or our spiritual position from our emotions. And that's why you can wake up one you may wake up one morning and it feels like the whole world is crashing on you. And you can separate yourself from your emotion and say, you know, okay, this is how I'm feeling now, but this is not my spiritual reality. Friend, that's how I live. And there have been days whereby at least I still remember one that I wrestled with this, with this emotion of depression or no, anxiety all day. From morning to night. <laughs> that was one of the most horrible days of my life. It, it would not go. And I said, you know, I'm not going to yield to this. I had a new convert come to visit me. I still minister the gospel to the person. My wife did not even have a clue of what's going on. I was still laughing and playing. But deep inside, there was a struggle of anxiety. I said, I'm not having it. I've trained myself to come to recognize that I'm not in my emotions. Sometimes I I can be grumpy sometimes when I'm hungry, right? Okay. Church members, if I, there's a particular person in my mind. If you use it against me, <laughs> I said, Pastor, are you hungry? <laughs> we know how we go, but we do this. Sometimes I can be like, uh-huh, you know, when I'm hungry. So I made you to that emotion because I'm hungry and I can't hear what you're saying. You know, sometimes my wife is trying to get my attention and I'm so hungry and I, and I just keep staring. But when the food comes and I eat, then I said, now I can see. Amen. All right. So, babe, I think uh, this time I'm talking about myself, not about you, right? <laughs> I guess it. So, some emotions we may use like this kind of ones. Well, the ones that tend to control our lives, and some, well, that doesn't mean I don't fast, you know. So, when I'm fasting, I don't think about food, right? So, I'm not, I'm not grumpy, kind of, right? But, but, but when I'm grumpy, you don't know, right? I was smiling and, and smiling and everything is fine. But when you're talking to me, I just keep staring, right? I might, speak, I might respond by the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is talking to me at that time, right? But if you just give me food, Praise the Lord. I will understand what you, what you are saying. I just I can just guess how this is going. What's going to come out of this after this meeting when we go back on Zoom? If anybody uses this, excuse me, I refer to it in the message. <laughs> yeah. Amen. So what I'm trying to say is this. Even when I'm hungry, I can recognize that I'm hungry. So if I'm hungry and I'm in the place of work, I'm dealing with a high profile client, you get, better not be grumpy because you lose the contract. I get it, but I'm able to, I've trained myself to recognize my emotions and uh, but talking about the, the bad one, the ones that are controlling like anxiety and stuff like that. I was like, I'm not going to yield to you because that's not my identity. Amen. So let me just pick one verse from Romans chapter eight and then, um, we can go from there. So, uh, it's, I mean, Romans eight here. Yeah. So, uh, to, 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 let me, okay. Therefore, this does the 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 for the respiracy wounds. Okay, amen. Did I say one second? Let me just get this. So Romans six. I was like, what's this? Romans six. 
And I was going to verse 10. I was like, this one doesn't like verse 10 I'm looking at. So uh, verse 10, let's read uh, verse 10 and verse 11. It said, the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Now verse 11 says this. So in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. He said, you should rely on the fact. Thanks, babe. You should rely on the, you should rely on the fact. Rely on the truth. And Bible says count. It means rely, believe, accept as reality that you are dead to sin and alive to God. Which means sin does not have dominion over you. Sin does not have right to control you. It's not that you don't feel it. But you must come to the place whereby you come to understand that this thing does not have right to control you anymore. That is the starting point, not the other way around. Not by behavior modification and then you try to deal with the core. You start with the core and how you start with the core is by acknowledging, recognizing, accepting as reality that these negative and wrong emotions and evil emotions and way of thinking are not my identity. This is bondage. This came into the world through sin, through Satan, who tried to who has held people captive, using them as puppets to destroy, to do bad stuff, right? But this does not have control over me because in Christ Jesus, I am a new person. And it's not only from the things that I've called out, the negative one I've called out, even fear, if whatever is trying to hold you back from doing what God has called you to do, a, uh, a sense of inferiority, uh, I'm not good enough, all those kind of way of thinking, right? You must be able to recognize them and say, you know what? God has made me free from this thing. And that's where the journey starts. Amen. So guys, thanks for connecting. Uh, myself and my wife, we continue in the similar vein on Thursday as we start Discover and Become. Um, the Lord has started speaking to me. You know, we're going to start talking about uh, who am I? Right, who am I? Uh, somebody asked Jesus. Uh, Jesus asked his disciples, said, what do people say I am? You know, we say we, we are in the time when we, I mean, where what will save us from the destruction and the evil that so easily surround us today is truly knowing who we are. So that when anyone offer you something that is different from your true identity or they, or they make an invitation to you, you know, to be something else or to do something else in a way, because you are so confident and so sure of who you are, you don't give in to those things. So God want, I believe God wants to strengthen us such that we are able to stand firm and be strong in who we truly are in him. No moved around, not responding to the troubles of the world like unbelievers would do. You know, emotions are frequently, emotions are subject to bad experiences we've had, abuse, you know, events, and all those kind of things around us. Emotions are so fickle. I mean, they are not, they, they never most of the time, you know, indicate a reality. You know, some, so our emotions sometimes, when the circumstance and events is true, right, they respond to those ones, they get it right. But most of the time, what you have or see around you is not a reflection of your true spiritual reality. And that's why you must know what the word of God says as opposed to responding to what is said out there. So there's a, it's, it's a long journey, right? It's a long journey for every one of us. And we, we thank God for giving us a privilege to help. Thank you, Holy Spirit to help believers to go on this journey. Yeah, I feel in my spirit that some people think that what Christianity is about is where you go to meetings where 
uh, there's a move of God. There's a move of a spirit. The presence of God is so powerful. Now, those places have their place to, you know, to recall your attention to the reality of God. But those meetings don't help you grow. This is where people grow. Some people believe, this is now me speaking, some people believe that what a true church is is where you know, there's more screen, you feel excited, you feel happy. Those things don't help people grow. I've been into many of those churches. I was worse than, I was worse in the place than I was before I joined them. Right? But this is how people grow, where you are taught the word of God and given the applicable way to go about it. So what I say, number, point number one, acknowledge, reckon that you have been made free from the power of sin, from the power of Satan, through the Lord Christ Jesus. Then we'll take it off from there.